Hi there and welcome to the Natural Resources Wales podcast mini-series on flood risk management. My name's Kerry and Gingell and I work here at Natural Resources Wales. In this series you'll hear from the different teams who work together to reduce the risk of flooding to communities in Wales. This will give you a really good overview of what flood risk is, what we're doing to manage it in Wales and what impact the climate emergency is having on flood risk in Wales both now and in the future. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Natural Resources Wales Flood Risk Management mini-series. Today I'm joined by Samantha Mitchell and Nia Crayford, who both work in our National Flood Forecasting team. Welcome both and thanks so much for joining us. I wonder if we can start by finding out a little bit about you and your background. Did you study specifically with joining NRW in mind or was it more of an evolution to find yourselves in the roles you have today? Yeah, so I did a geography degree at university and yeah, I wanted to work for NRW, so I kept an eye on the job vacancies. Um, Initially, I started in the facilities team, working on reception in one of our Cardiff offices. And then after a few months, uh, when a job came up in the team, I moved to flood forecasting. So I've been in the team now for six years. And I work on the systems, the duty rotor and also the operational procedures. Yeah, and my degree was in environmental science. So after I graduated in 1999, I started work for Environment Agency Wales, which was eventually merged with the other um, environmental organisations to become NRW in 2013. Mm -hmm. So I started in the hydrometry team for the first couple of years, um, and then I moved into the hydrology team for about six years. And I've now been working in flood forecasting for the last 14 or 15 years. So I'm responsible for all the river flood river forecasting models, which is how we monitor and predict possible flooding from rivers here in Wales. Wow, okay. So we've heard a little bit about how you've both come to work in flood forecasting team here in Natural Resources Wales. Could you explain a little bit about what the team actually does? Uh, Yeah, of course. So our team is responsible for running and maintaining the operational forecasting service for potential flooding in Wales. So this is a 24-7 service that helps our colleagues in other teams in NRW to issue flood alerts and flood warnings across Wales when there is a risk of flooding. So this is to help the public prepare and take action if needed. So to do this, we use computer models that we run in real time during times of heavy rain or high tides, for example, yeah. And this helps to predict which areas might flood due to high river levels and or sea levels. Um, so there are 10 of us in total in the team at the moment and our work is split into three main areas. So this covers rivers, coasts and also the computer systems that are needed for our work. Oh, OK, thanks. So not a huge team either, just 10 of you really doing all of this nationally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so how do you do these forecasts then? How do you forecast flooding, for example? We use a variety of models and um, specialist computer software to predict 
river or tide levels and that can be anywhere from an hour in, in advance to about five days in advance. So for our river models we use data from NRW's um, observed river le level network. So this is the data we get from our hydrometry and telemetry colleagues that you'll have heard about in a previous podcast um, and we also use forecast rainfall data from the Met Office. So that's uh, essentially the numbers behind the blobs of rain that you see on TV in the weather forecast. Mm -hmm. And then for our coastal models we use uh, forecast tide data, we use observational data from um, wave buoys and wind stations and we also use forecast wind and wave data from the Met Office as well. Okay so you you said that you use um, some of the data from the Met Office but where do you get these models? Do you create them or develop them yourselves? Uh, yes, we do. So we use data from large weather events that have happened in the past, such as Storm Kira and Storm Dennis back in 2020, for example. Mm -hmm. So um, we create the models and then we run them to see how the results compare with what we know happened during those big events. And then we tweak the model parameters until we get the closest match to the observed river levels. So this is a what part of what I'm responsible for on the river side of things, along with um, Rachel and Sean in the team. And then Neil in our team does the exact same thing, but for the coastal models. And after the models have been developed, they're passed to Christopher, Neer and Lisa, who then um, configure them into the right files and formats to be used by our forecasting system. And then once the models are live, we constantly monitor their performance. So we'll often go back and recalibrate them after events if we think they're not performing as well as they should do. So we're constantly trying to improve the quality and accuracy of our forecasting. Yeah, so tweaking them a little bit just to make sure that they're spot on. Yes. Um, yeah, then I'll just come in a bit about um, the system we use. So that's called FUSE, which stands for Flood Early Warning System. Um, and the FUSE system is used widely in lots of other countries across the world. Okay. Our current version of FUSE, um, we went live with it in 2016, and that was the first time anywhere in the world that FUSE had been running remotely in the cloud rather than on dedicated local servers. So this makes it just a lot more resilient um, system, really. Yeah. Fuse contains all the model files that have been configured. And it also continuously receives the observed data from the monitoring stations that our hydrometry and telemetry colleagues are responsible for. And also forecast from the Met Office every 15 minutes. So it's always got the most up-to-date information ready for the forecasts to be run whenever they're needed. Yeah. It's a very flexible system um, and we can run forecasts manually as and when needed or we can also set them up to run automatically in advance of heavy rainfall. Um, the forecasts then are sent to the forecast web service and this is an internal website where NRW staff can view the forecasts to help decide whether or not they need to issue any warnings or alerts. And then you'll hear more about that part of work in the next episode on the flood warning and, and informing. Yeah. So FUSE basically is critical to us in delivering the operational forecasting service for Wales. Okay. Sounds very technical. How do the technical elements all come together when we have bad weather? So as soon as we get a heads up that bad weather is forecast, for example, large storms like you've probably heard of Dennis and Kira a few years ago, yeah. whoever is on duty at the time will start preparing. So this usually involves liaising with the Met Office, 
running different scenarios through our models to get a range of possible outcomes. Yeah. Putting shift rotors together to make sure that we have that crucial 24-7 response and also briefing the rest of NRW. There's also a five-day flood risk outlook available to the public on the NRW website um, that we help determine that risk for as well. Yeah. So once the event or the storm starts, we usually open the National Incident Room in Cardiff. We then have two people actively monitoring and forecasting at the same time, usually on eight-hour shifts. So maybe we'll be covering different parts of Wales or one might cover the rivers and one might cover the coast, depending on what is needed at the time and the type of event that we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, So we usually run forecasts every half an hour um, and then we relay that forecast information to other duty officers in different teams so that they can start thinking about issuing the flood alerts and warnings to the public. And then after the event... We analyse the performance of the models to see how well they did and if they need to be recalibrated at all. We also sometimes help compile statistics from the event. Um, So, for example, where the highest rainfall totals were or whether we've reached any new rainfall or river level records. And then all of this helps us to gather more data to use in the future for more events and whatever we have coming next. Yeah, it's a lot going on, isn't it? And a lot of um, working with other teams as well. It's all very sort of um, cross-functional, I suppose, isn't it? Definitely. Um, Are there any challenges when it comes to um, forecasting for flooding in Wales? There's lots of challenges in Wales. Um, Wales has a really long coastline, for starters. We've got over 800 miles of coastline, so we've obviously got lots of potential impacts from tides. Yeah. Um, And then the Severn Estuary, that's got the uh, second highest tidal range in the world. It's about 14 metres, so that's really challenging to model and forecast. I think the highest is um, in Canada, the Bay of Fundy, so we're second only to Canada. Um, and we impressive. also get, uh, yeah, very impressive. Um, and we also get a lot of large waves, particularly around Pembrokeshire and Cardigan Bay. These are the swell waves that cross the Atlantic, and they're really great for surfers, but they're really quite tricky to forecast. Mm. And then inland, most of Wales is obviously very mountainous. So mountains cause more rainfall, actually. So the air moves up and over the mountains, and that causes more rainfall. But it's really difficult to forecast exactly how much more rainfall there will be and then the mountains also cause another problem because they can block the beams of the weather radars so in many parts of Wales it's really hard to get reliable data on how much rain is actually falling how fast and which direction the clouds are moving because the radars just can't see past the mountains Mm. and then also Wales has got lots of um, really small steep river catchments with a lot of impermeable rocks underneath so this means that when the w- water falls onto the land, it just goes straight into the rivers. So they rise really quickly in response to any rainfall. So then this doesn't give us much time to actually forecast what may happen or for anyone to take action. Mm, that sounds like a lot of complicated elements working against you there. Um, we know that climate change is having an, uh, an impact already, um, and it's probably one that's likely to continue to cause further problems in the future. Um, have you noticed any effects of climate change on your work already? Um, yeah, I think across the team and probably lots of other teams have definitely noticed that it's having an impact on our work. In particular, the duty role, which is what we have in place to ensure that we have people on call 24-7 to respond to lots of different types of environmental incidents across Wales. 
In the last few years, we have seen a lot of records being broken for highest river levels across all parts of Wales. So, for example, Storm Callum in October 2018, that broke records for a lot of southwest Wales river level monitoring stations. All right. Then we had in February 2020, Storm Kira, and that broke records across the north of Wales. And then just a week later, we had Storm Dennis, which broke records across southeast Wales. Some of the stations recording these highest levels have been in place for, you know, 50, 60 years or more. So Mm. these record-breaking levels are quite significant. Yeah. I think we've also started to notice an increase in the number of name storms and larger events in general during the winter months. So last year in February 2022, we had three named storms in just a space of a week. And the last of these, Franklin, again, broke long-standing river levels across the Severn and the Vernwy in yeah. mid-Wales. Yeah. So, yeah, we've definitely become busier when we're on duty. Um, we have to call on the assistant duty officer to help out a lot more often now. And just recently, we've increased the number of duty officers on our road uh, so that we can better cope with that increase in workload when we do get those bad events. Yeah. Um, And also, these extreme weather events have an impact on our day job, which always has to take a back seat when we have these really large events because everybody is being called in to help um, and assist everybody. And we're also on shift rotors. So we also then, after those big events, have more work after those events to keep on top of all of our models and the analysis and the reporting work that also goes into making sure that we are continuously improving our systems and our forecasting. Which is obviously really important to keep it accurate as well. Um, Do you see the service developing in the future in order to tackle things like climate change? Uh, Yes, definitely. Um, So firstly, we'd like to increase the number of river forecasting locations and cover more catchments. So I think at the moment we've got about 117 river forecast locations across about 30 catchments, which sounds like a lot. But we still that still means we don't forecast for every location that we issue warnings for in Wales, and we'd like to. So yeah. um, over the next sort of five to ten years, we've got a plan to increase that forecasting to 100% coverage. And wow. I think that'll take us up to about 215 river forecast locations um, across 43 catchments. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's practically double, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So a lot of work to be done there. Yeah. Um, And then on the coastal side, we've got, I think, 87 coastal forecast locations. And that is actually 100% coverage at the moment. So we're not planning to necessarily expand much more on the coastal side. There may be the odd location, but we haven't Mm. got um, many, you know, big plans to increase coverage. But we have got big plans to try and improve the actual forecast themselves at the existing location. So, for example... There's a lot of work going on at the moment to refine the beach profiles okay. and the flood defence profiles that are held within the models right. and to try and model that more accurately and also to try and validate the forecast results for the coastal forecasts with observed data so we can see um, if when we issue the alerts and warnings if they've been set at the right levels or if they need tweaking. 
Okay. Um, and then more generally on, on both sort of coastal and river, we'll also continue working with the Met Office to try and improve the weather forecast themselves. Um, so that would in turn increase the lead time for issuing the alerts and warnings, um, hopefully. So yeah. um, there's a plan to move to probabilistic forecasting. So that's, so at the moment, we just use one Met Office forecast input into our model. So we get one river forecast or coastal forecast output um, mm-hmm. but the Met Office already moved to probabilistic forecasting years ago so this is where they've got their massive big supercomputers and they run up to 24 slightly different forecasts so they wow. can produce a whole range of output so this is how come they can then say um, we think there's a 60% chance of rainfall occurring today in mid Wales or wherever yeah, that's where okay. that sort of probabilistic um, percentage comes from mm-hmm. so um, we want to try and do the same thing with our coastal and river forecasts. So we take 24 forecast inputs and then we'll get 24 forecast outputs. And then this will help us then to determine the likelihood of different scenarios occurring more easily. So hopefully that will then help us to make more informed decisions about whether or not we issue uh, warnings and and, in what sort of timeframes. Yeah. And and hopefully, you know, helps again with that accuracy as well. yeah, it sounds like there's lots of drive and ambition in the team to to do more and to constantly improve, not only to keep up with climate change, but also, I guess, to continually offer a better service to the public as well. I would think that means that you must love what you do. So what's the best part of your job? What do you enjoy the most? <laughs> well, it's a great job, but it's also just a really interesting job to do. And it's great to work as part of a team where everybody does something a little bit different and they each contribute a different element to the service. Yeah. So I really like receiving the models that have been developed by Sam and the others, and then we configure them onto the system as part of my day job. But then also getting to see those models being used by myself and all the other duty officers as well in real time when they're needed during those big events and those bad weather events. Yeah. So it's just great to see how the platform and the difference it makes in ensuring the public are aware of what might happen, whilst also giving them as much time as possible to prepare and take any action that may be needed to protect protect their homes and from flooding and such. Yeah. And I guess you get to see both ends of it. You get to see the kind of part where you're preparing and then you also get to experience it sort of on the the duty side of it then at the other end so you get to see the full spectrum as well which is exactly. uh, which must be interesting yeah yeah tiring when we're on duty but <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, is this going to sound really cheesy now? But the best bit for me is just knowing that our work makes a difference. So, you know, we help in that process of getting flood warnings out earlier to people at risk of flooding. So then they've got more time to take action to protect their homes and their livelihoods and everything. And, you know, Mm. given the challenges of forecasting in Wales, we don't always have that much time. But then when it does all come together, it's really rewarding. So, for example, um, Back in 2012, there was a very large storm that was forecast to affect St Asaph in northeast Wales and it was overnight. But our forecast in the morning um, meant that the local councils decided to set up evacuation centres in the afternoon and then the evacuations themselves took place about nine o'clock in the evening. But if we hadn't have had any forecasts, we wouldn't have even known that evacuation was going to be needed until about three o'clock in the morning. 
Oh, wow. So obviously, yeah, so the centres may not have been ready. Yeah. And also it would have been much more difficult and, and distressing as well to just wake yeah. people up to evacuate them in the middle of the night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a good chance they wouldn't have been able to evacuate everyone in time. But in that event, because we had really good forecasts in the morning available for St Asaf, that meant that everyone had plenty of time to plan and prepare throughout the day. Which is just really important, isn't it? And and so rewarding to know that you're making a real difference to people as well. Thank you both um, for giving your time up to talk to me today. It's been really interesting to hear all about the work that you do and that and the way you're helping communities in Wales prepare for possible flooding and to hear what a difference that makes in real life, you know, like, like in St Asaf back in 2012. It's been really interesting. Thank you both. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any comments or questions, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or by the email address that you can find in the show notes. You'll also find links to our flood risk management pages where you can view some of the things we've talked about here today. Thanks for listening.